issues with that. Well, now that you guys are dads, you ought to understand it because it's total dad humor. Oh, I absolutely love the dad humor. I, um, I, I, I was practicing that long before mm-hmm. Baby Rose came in to play. Okay, so, so the, that makes you old. Uh, you're right. You're right. That most certainly does make you old. There was there. There's a there's a funny thing in the movie that reminds me of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Okay, so it's a similar plot device. So they there's a lawyer that uh, accuses the B of all Bs right. of being bad. Mm-hmm. And then he starts like sort of like baiting him and making the bee angry. Then he turns around and shows his say, big butt. Don't be angry. <laughs> <laughs> so then he turns around and sticks his butt out, like just baiting the bee character, and the bee character stings him on the butt. Yeah. Proving that bees are so unhinged. Yes, they're and it aggressive. made me think of Miracle on 34th Street, when the guy is like, oh, yeah, you're not Chris Kringle. You're just a crazy person. And it's like rude and mean to him. And then Chris Kringle like bops him a little bit with his cane. And then he shows up. He's like, he assaulted me. He's crazy. He's a crazy old man who attacks people. Right. So you heard it from Colin first. B-movie and Miracle on 34th Street are about equal It is a movies. spiritual sequel. <laughs> it is a spiritual sequel to the original Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> At the very end of the movie, the judge says, you know, on our money, it says, in God we buzz. And I'm not about to yes. argue <laughs> with what God has intended for the B community. You're making my brain hurt. <laughs> All right, well, uh, without further ado, are you guys ready to start? Let's do it. I'm Zach. I'm Colin. And I'm Bob. And welcome, welcome to, to the House Plants Podcast. We should have let Ken pop in. I'm Ken. Hey, Ken. Yeah, there he yeah, is. There yeah. he is. <laughs> we should have let him be the fourth man. And we are here to talk about music, media, and that mission of Jesus. And so much more. Heck yeah, lots of stuff. And we're here to talk about. Uh, not the B movie, and and we're talking about pastor friends who lives still kind of close, mm-hmm. same state. Yeah, mm-hmm. far away though, big state I guess. Not as big as some states. Yeah. So, but seems like it takes a long time to drive across. <laughs> so, yeah, it does. We're yes, one of those wide ones. That's, yeah, that's, that's true. Flat but wide. <laughs> yeah. That's what Billy Joel said. He said he's in the New York state of mind. There you go. And dad jokes. (laughs) My dad always used to say really quick ones like, so I said to this mustard, hey, ketchup. So I said to this dime, hey, nickel. (laughs) Stuff like that. Well, you know, after dad jokes, you graduate to grandpa jokes. You know what they are? Pull my finger. That's the, one. <laughs> That's the one. That's the only one we got. That's all you got left by the time you're going to pull my finger. Um, my dad used to read us um, like kids books. And for some reason, we found it really funny when he would just um, add like, and then they had cheese to everything. <laughs> like it'd be like the, then it was the kitty cat's birthday and they baked the kitty cat a birthday cake. And they also had cheese. He was like, I had cheese well. like every single page. <laughs> <laughs> and they ate a lot of cheese. Good night, Moon. Good night, Cheese. Oh, I know that book. We yeah. uh, we read that book in Excel a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's a good book. All I want to tell you, Zach, is after you get done reading scripture when you're a pastor, don't say, and then they add cheese. 
<laughs> Unless they actually had cheese. I don't know if they had cheese at Antioch or anything. I don't. They might mention cheese in Acts somewhere. <laughs> they did have calves in the in, in the Bible. That's so true. if they had calves, they must have had dairy. Here's, if they had dairy. Here's Zach. This is the word of God for the people of God. And they had cheese. <laughs> Thanks be to God. <laughs> and they had cheese. <laughs> Jesus came across Matthew uh, tax collecting, and right next to him was a very expensive uh, display of cheese brought uh-huh. in from Kroger. And each little uh, wedge was about thirty dollars each. There's some brie and some weird uh, brie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gouda, perhaps. Yeah, that's a different version of the Bible Monster. you guys don't know about. <laughs> yeah. We're here talking about cheese or Jesus or Jesus. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. So, um, yeah, Ken, real quick before we get into it a little bit more, um, give us like a brief. Do you do you remember the conversation and why we started talking about this particular subject? What is our subject? We were talking about um, trying to be uh, uh, for real about sin. Yeah, but, but not just from a legal standpoint, from a relational standpoint as well. Yeah, like yeah, buddy. why is a sin a sin? Right? That's why. The- why are sins? There. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why too I don't know. Yeah. Can we? Can we just spell it like why the the letter Y R? <laughs> And then sins with an apostrophe on the end. Of this. People will be like, do young Republicans sin? <laughs> I guess everybody does. Yeah, that's true. So there you go. Except for young Republicans like us. <laughs> no, so before we get uh, more into it, uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't we do a little bit of worship? I like yeah, this idea. I like this idea. And as our listeners know, we are kind of post-worship these days. So um, – Without post worship is that like being like post punk or yeah that's right post hardcore yeah post prog <laughs> we are neo electronic uh, worship yeah. and what that what I mean by oh that is neo as in new uh, as in after the episode we make it new yeah and uh, <laughs> electronic as in I use my computer for most of it all right so without further ado here it is.
Father, we uh, we just want to start by asking you to come and, and take control of every last bit of this time. We offer uh, everything we have learned so far that you've taught us and ask that you help us to be clear in how we think about it, especially how we say it tonight. We're also really thinking about people who uh, are very frightened of this subject for a whole bunch of reasons. We pray, Lord, that you would come and take the fear out of it for them and instead begin to realize that uh, we're talking about a God who loves us so much and has paid such a tremendous price to bring us home. Help us, Lord, not to see it as a, a big patrol officer with flashing lights in the rearview mirror, but help us, Lord, to see him as a father who rides next to us teaching us how to drive. <laughs> we love you, Lord. We give this uh, back to you and ask to glorify you and your love. Thank you for these incredible men. These your servants. Christ. Amen. 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 Good prayer, Ken. Thanks, man. So, um, Zach and Bob. Yeah. You guys sat at one end of an argument. Well, no, I would say Bob kind of sat at one end of an argument. Okay. I sat at another end of this argument. Mm -hmm. We both agree, but we also had like different places of coming from. Okay. Uh, so I wanted to talk to Bob really quick to springboard. Okay, sure. Bob, mm -hmm. I asked others besides you mm -hmm. and we talked to Ken. Ken and I had a really long, long Facebook conversation about a mm -hmm. lot of stuff. But I asked Bob and Bob talked about what his definition of a, of a sin and why it's a sin. Mm -hmm. And I talked about my thing about the harm that it might do. Okay. Do you remember that conversation, Bob? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. So do you, do, do you want to tell me a little bit about what you think a sin is in terms of like why it's a sin? Looking for a definition of a sin. Okay. Uh, so from, from what I can tell from, from my perspective of, of reading the Bible, a sin is anything that, um, that goes against God's will. Um, so that's what you said. And I yes. like that. And, and so, so, and so here, here's, here's the two different sides that that gets you. Number one, um, Jonah, when he got on the boat, uh, away from Nineveh, I believe he was going to Tyree at that point. Um, because God was, was, was the exact opposite of, of, of Nineveh getting on a boat was not sinful, but doing, ex but, but going the opposite direction that God called him. That was the sin. The boat just happened to be the medium in between at the moment. Okay. So, so we can't take a legalist perspective of saying, well, every time when I get on a boat and I'm not going to Nineveh, then I, that's a sin. Well, no, no, no. It's the question is, where is God leading you? On the flip side of that, if I say something and I honestly believe that statement to be true and come out later, it is objectively false. I didn't lie. I did not intend to deceive. Mm -hmm. I was merely wrong. You, you, you see the difference? Yeah. I do. So, John, so, so, John so, yeah. So, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to go against God's will by saying something wrong. I just happen to be wrong in that situation. Sure. Yeah. So, I'm going to look up Wesley's definition of a sin because you all might find it interesting because there's like a quote. Okay. While you're doing that, so, yeah. so, so go, go ahead, Colin. So I'm I'm setting Ken up because I want to hear from yeah. Ken a lot. 
So when Bob talks about just just the implication of that, me and you and you and I can were discussing why a sin is a sin. And one of the things that I came to, which I feel may not on the surface cover everything, but I think if you think about it long enough, it does. And I said, I think that sins are sins primarily because, um, A, they go against what God intended, but what I think God intended was good. So everything, you know, everything that God has made, you know, he, he says is, is a good thing, right? So I believe that a sin is not for our betterment, and as such, it's not good. And I think that harm harm comes with sin uh, in many different forms, harm to the Lord, harm to us. And so I think that God was trying to stay the course of his perfect creation and by extension uh, create the best good possible. And when sin came in, sin was an affront to what, what God kind of had intended. Now, that's not the exact same thing as going against God's will as much as to say, the reason why the sin is a sin, I think is because God was like, Oh, if you, if you don't sin and you, and you follow Mm -hmm. what I, what I'm intending for, it'll be, you won't be harmed. I won't have hurt feelings. You will, you will have a productive, uh, righteous life, things like that. So I think that it was for our betterment. I'm kind of leaning towards that. Any sin is is an affront to the betterment of the world and for us. Hmm. Yeah. And that, that's a really neat perspective as well. So Ken, The floor is yours. Where are you at with all that? Well, there's there's two sides to this equation. Okay. Uh, one is the one that everybody, I think, understands, and that's when you uh, willfully disobey. When uh-huh. you know the right thing to do and you decide not to do it, and you are in uh, rebellion against God by thought, word, or deed, uh, and mm-hmm. I don't mean stray thoughts that you that just come into your mind. I mean where you think something through and you know the rules or you know the right thing to do in your heart and you decide for whatever reason, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a Job sure. moment. Yeah. Uh, if you, I'm sorry. That is a, a Jonah moment like right. uh, Bob was talking about. Yeah. Sure, sure. And yeah. that's, that's found, the um, legal side. That's – and, and what we're what we're rebelling against is uh, a God who doesn't do that. He's a holy right. God. There's no sin in him. He cannot sin. Right. He's not rebelling against himself. He's not schizophrenic like we can be. Uh, you know, I like that mm-hmm. passage where Paul says, "I know the right thing to do, and I want to do it, but I I mm-hmm. find that I can't do it. Who will help me? Who will deliver me from the spotting sin and death?" And then yeah. he answers his own question. Only only a sinless person can. And that's love, God right. in the yeah. flesh. I love that passage. I, I affectionately refer to that passage as the, as the doo-doo passage, um, where he's like, I don't do the things I want to do. I keep doing the things I don't want to do. Um, even though I don't want to do them, I'm still doing them. Why, why can't I stop doing these two things? So and, and I love the doo-doo a, passage. There's a good uh, complimentary pa- uh, scripture there that goes really close along with that that I had written down from James four. And it says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for yeah. him, it is sin. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. The whole idea of sin is, 
is central mm-hmm. yeah. in yeah. Christianity. Yeah. And it I found the quote from John Wesley. Yeah. And it's um, so when he's defining sin, he's talking about this intentional part of it. He says, right. nothing is sin, strictly speaking, but a voluntary transgression of a known law of God. Yeah. Therefore, every voluntary branch of the law, every voluntary breach of the law of love is sin and nothing else. If we speak properly yeah. to strain the matter farther is only to make way for Calvinism, which Colin would like. No, <laughs> there may be 10,000 wandering thoughts and forgetful intervals without any breach of love, though not without transgressing the academic law. But Calvinists would fain confound these together. Let love fill your heart and it is enough. So basically kind of what he's saying is like um, you sin when you voluntarily go against the word, the will of God. Right. And he's kind of combining the two um, thoughts that the two of you guys had because yeah. he's bringing it together. He's saying the law of God is the law of love. So if you're transgressing the will of God, you're actually going against love and it's unloving. Right. I I don't know if I agree wholeheartedly with the idea of that. Yeah, but that's an interesting jab at Calvinism. What he does there, I I don't think. I think that a sin can be a sin whether we have knowledge of it or not. Am I am I wrong about that? Like, well, if if, it's not a willful act, you're right. You might be right. It's it's wrong. Like if you drive into a a town that you've mm -hmm. never been to, and they have a set of driving laws that are are unknown to you. When you get pulled over, you're going to get pulled over. They're going to say that you're doing the wrong thing. But mm-hmm. when they see that you're from out of town, they're going to say, you didn't know this, did you? And you say, no, sir, or no, ma'am, I didn't. And they're going to say, well, we're going to let you off with a warning this time. But now you know. Now you are yeah. responsible for sure. that. So sure. So it's, it's the whole, when you say a rebellious act against God's will, it's when you take your will because you're made in the image of God mm-hmm. and you set it against his will. This is not where no, you are in a loving cooperative relationship with God, but where you actually um, see God as uh, someone getting in your way from what you want and your will becomes paramount. Yeah. And then you decide to go against it uh, by thought, word or deed. Uh, right. Words, so, it's it's a, it is a it is a willful violation. So if 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 you have these stray thoughts that come in your mind and you didn't ask them to be there, right? You didn't sin. Yeah. yeah. Even though they were wrong things, they were ugly things, they were terrible things. And when you realize it and you say, "Oh, that's I don't want to think that way," yeah. did you sin? No. You, the Holy Spirit helped you catch yourself, and, and yeah. you caught up with your conscious mind with what your subconscious mind was uh, starting to stray into. Is that a sin? Uh, I do think there's like entertaining the thought though. Like, well, that's it. That's a little bit different. When you like, that is different when you kind of like dwell on something. Yeah. Yeah. So, so welcoming it in basically. So let me, let me, let me interject something and then I want to hear from everybody else again. And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just interjecting as we go. So we breach on a subject matter that is a big can of worms. Yeah. So I'm not going to get into it too much. But the idea of um, of maybe like a person uh, unknowingly sinning, um, I think is an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Because 
I think for a believer, sin like hurts to do. Like, I, I know that sounds weird, but like the Holy Spirit will like intercede and like make you feel like that it's wrong. You can still sin, I think. That's right. But but uh, but you would feel in your spirit that like you're doing something that's against God's will. And I think for a lot of Christians, that's when that kind of like remorse, like mourning feeling yeah. can happen when sin occurs. Now, the $5 if you are for that is conviction. Right. Of course. Convicted. Like you feel convicted. So um, that's what, and Ken, that's what you mentioned before. We'll probably have to have you back in a different episode to talk about that, like ongoing repentance. Cause yeah. I think that's a cool idea for an episode is this idea of repenting for life sort of thing. But, um, but no, what I, what I was interjecting here is this idea that maybe there are people who think that they are on the right path Maybe they're even believers. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're somewhere on the fence and they think they have the right. I mean, like, for example, uh, um, Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel, he for a time seemed like a believer. Like he was like, oh, I, I know who God is now. But then he would like still make some mistakes and he would still talk to magicians and stuff or uh, what's that? I, I don't know exactly what verse this is, but when Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan, you, I never oh, knew yeah. you. Uh, 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 yes. Well, no, it, He's it, telling the, um, well, the, I never knew you comes from a different part, but get thee behind me. Satan's right after it was when he was calling out Peter, who was, who was mm-hmm. saying, no, 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 you're not going to die. And you know, you're not going to go through this. And he says, get behind me. Satan to be, it was his reference to Peter um, because Peter was trying to talk him out of, going through with this idea of, of death, the crucifixion, the crucif- yeah. right. But what, what, what would later be known as a crucifixion. Yeah. Right. But so often, so often people who are trying to do the right thing might still sin. Sure. And I sure. guess what I, my yeah. point is, is that's not necessarily a willing sin. Oh, like you're, right. you're John, possibly Wesley, doing it John Wesley would say being mistaken is not a sin and ignorance is not a sin. Hmm. If you're hmm. acting out of, of, faulty information yeah Uh, but that doesn't mean that being like ignorant is going to save you necessarily no 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 no. but but that's the opportunity for you to learn is when you express these things yeah if you that's very interesting you have a teachable spirit if you have a teachable spirit you can be easily corrected Uh, and a, a christian should want to be in that right relationship not just a right relationship with god but you know when you when you love somebody uh, like Paula, for instance, my my precious wife, uh, I know when I've crossed the line with her. I know when I've stepped on something that's sensitive to her or something like that. And I don't want to do that. I want to be in a relationship with her that that uh, builds her up, that lets her know my true heart, not the butthead part of me that, that just blunders into things sometimes <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. i know exactly what you're saying I, um um as as uh, uh the the tolls of parenthood continue to uh to impact my ability yeah. to think clearly um <laughs> i've i've found that that butthead part of myself coming out a bit more with my own wife at times and trying to keep myself in check more and more that i just that's just <laughs> it. it it always tests your limits but kind of, but now that we've gone into that, um, once you are once you 
had been a dad, you start to see God from a, a, a different perspective. When Jesus called him Father, and he said we could call him Father, uh, mm -hmm. that could bring up all kinds of things for different people. Uh, and I thought I would just share with you about my dad. Um, okay. Yeah. There were two times in my life when my dad said absolutely no to me, and I, I'll shorten these stories. One was when I was seven years old, and, and some friends of mine and I traded our garter snakes for a great big snake uh, up on the north side of Lexington. Of all places. <laughs> snake. And dad came home and, and we told him about it. And he looked in there and said, you can't keep that snake. Uh, it turns out it was a copperhead. Oh, we had wow. no idea. Dad said no. It was absolutely no. The second time, and I, I was really, and gave it I to was, you. <laughs> let me let me let me say, I was really upset because I thought I'd made a really good trade, and I thought it was just <laughs> taking away something from me. Yeah, it's kind of like trading a Pokemon. Yeah. Now, yeah. see, was I, <laughs> was I in rebellion to God at that point, or was I just ignorant that He knows things that I didn't know? And was he trying to protect me or was he trying to rip me off? Okay. Yeah. So sure. that's where we get into that ignorance and mistaken part. Uh, when I was 18, I the Demolition Derby was coming to town. Do you guys remember what the Demolition Derby is? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I still enjoy that quite a bit. I don't even know if they have it anymore, but uh, we used to watch it on, on black and white TV. That's how old I am. And it looked like so much fun. By then, I had been driving for two years and thought I knew everything about driving. And I found this 1959 Pontiac downtown. I still have the receipt for the $10 down payment, $100 for this car. I still have the receipt. And I went home and I said, Dad, I'm going to be in the demolition derby. He said, no, you're not. And I said, Dad, don't worry. It's it's a tank. It's a Sherman tank. You ought to see the steel. He said, no, you're not. I said, well, but Dad, I'm going to take all the glass out of it. He said, no, you're, you're not. I said, I'm going to wear a helmet and put mattresses around. He said, no, that's it. You're not. You're not going to do it. And I, then I did walk away very angry because I thought he was uh, being obstinate and ridiculous because I knew what I was doing. I was 18, nine feet tall and bulletproof. Of course you were. You know? uh, and I had been driving for two years at that point. I was an excellent driver. Yeah, a two-year driving? You're pro by that point. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I, I had several wrecks by the time I was 18. That probably wrecked every car we had. So, so perfect for the derby. demolition derby. <laughs> you, you, you were training. You, you were just training. Yeah. But later on that night, I thought, you know, Dad never says absolutely no to me, except for that time when I was seven. Maybe he knows something I don't know. You know, I found out later in life that when he was in college – uh, he was, uh, he worked at an emergency room for about a year, uh, and he was an engineer. So he understood about mass and momentum and impact. He knew, understood about how fragile human bodies were. And, uh, but his big deal was I was his son and he was about to sign off on something that he knew was very dangerous to um, when I began to think about God as my heavenly father and sin on that level, 
yes, I, you know, when I am in rebellion to him, that's a relationship problem between him and me. But when he defines sin, and he goes into tremendous uh, lengths to define sin in the Old Testament. We're not just talking about oh, yeah. sin as a subject, but how does it work out in everyday life from what you eat, and relationship with your neighbors, and uh, what do you do on the Sabbath and rest and all that kind of stuff. And you find out that there are sins that he says, these are ones you, you must not do. And then you, you find out he commands you to do some things that are good for you about how you eat and how you rest and all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking for this podcast about the times my dad, the two times my dad uh, gave me advice and I didn't listen to it either time. And both of them involved the house I wanted to buy. The first house I bought when we got to Richmond, I, it was only $79,000. It was wonderful. It had a, a wood-burning fireplace. I, I'm kind of a romantic spirit, and I picture myself inside this house, and then it's over. My dad's an engineer. He looks at everything, right? So sure. he, he said, son, I don't. the house is okay, but look at this neighborhood. I, I think you got to think about when you're going to resell this house. And uh, this is not a neighborhood. It's, it's a very good neighborhood. Now, I don't know if you guys remember where I used to live. Uh, I do. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that neighborhood is, is kind of a rundown neighborhood. And true. It's, it's in a certain part of Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Richmond is real weird because you can be in a rundown neighborhood and two streets over you'd be in a, a wealthy neighborhood. There's no That's right. That's reason true. to it. But, That's true. Uh, oh, yeah. About Absolutely. 10 years later when we wanted to sell it, 2008, um, might be 14 years later, 2008, uh, the, there was a housing boom. Everything was selling. And then all of a sudden the housing boom fell off. And we had that house. And the one I committed to for seven years, we made two house payments because that house would not sell. Yes, the market was bad, but they were selling houses during that time, just not in like that. And I ended up selling the house for two thirds of what I originally asked for. it. Dad was right. He was advising me. He wasn't saying, you're, you know, you're going to break my heart if you do this. I, I take this as rebellion against me if you don't do it. He was advising me. The second one was the next house I bought. He walked through and he said, I don't know about these floors. I, they're, I, they're kind of wavy. And I thought, no, no, Dad. Uh, I didn't have the house inspected. Had a lot of problems. He was right. Now, was he at that point trying to uh, take control of what house I bought? Or was he trying to tell me, if you loved me, you you do this? You listen to me. You take me seriously. No, I, he was just trying to help me out. I, mm-hmm. I think that if we get to the heart of God, if the Bible's right that God is love, then he acts out of love. And there are times when he says no because he mm-hmm. knows these things are going to absolutely harm us. Uh, and, he does, and I don't mean just harm us on a physical level, but some of them can I think he knows they'll do violence to our soul. Um, yeah. I'll never forget in seminary, and I haven't told this to too many people. Um, 
we were in the servant as liberator class. I don't think they call that anymore. That anymore. It's more like social justice. But mm-hmm. I was in uh, Dr. Christine Pohl's class, and they were going through church history and how the church, half the church, had supported slavery and half had not. And uh, I don't tell this to a lot of people, but um, my whole family on my side is from Virginia. And not all of them owned slaves, but some of them did. And the stories that we were told uh, were not bad stories at all. And this class was making me very uncomfortable. And I went to see uh, Dr. Pohl in her office. Uh, And I said, you need to understand we were not violent to our slaves. And she said, Ken, owning somebody is violent. Yeah. And I will never forget the reality of that washing over me that sin is violent. It does violence either to you or to other people or to both at the same time. Um, and when the whole Black Lives Matter thing happened this, this last summer, mm-hmm. a year ago, Mm-hmm. I was so convicted, uh, you know, about the sins of the fathers being visited to the sons. And I look back on our family history and it, it was very affected. My family tree looks like a bean pole. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, I have one first cousin in the whole world. I have one brother. There's only one male who ever has another male child to carry on the name. There's, we're just holding on. And I became very convicted about uh, the past and everything. And and I had to call Harvey Cozart and I said, I need you to pray for me and my family. I need to repent on behalf of my ancestors. I need to repent on not taking responsibility for what I know to be true. You know, I, I never defend my family owning slaves. I, I sense don't have any Confederate flags or anything like that in my house. Um, none of that stuff. But it, it felt like this curse had to end. There was a there was a residual violence that was done to my family because of what we did. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And I, I think there's part of that. The Lord saying, "I I would protect you from that." Mm-hmm. I don't want that for you. I don't want you to let the enemy come in and sow wheat or weeds in your wheat field. That's not good for you. It doesn't make me happy. Yeah. So I, I began to see that that there was violence, but there's also these laws where God advises us like a good father. I want you to rest on the Sabbath. I want you to eat these kinds of foods and don't eat that kinds of food. I want you if you if there's a problem between you and somebody else, I want you to go work it out right now. Don't let it fester. Yeah. I mean, there's he's not commanding you sometimes as much as he's he's saying, you know, if, if you are wise, I offer you my wisdom. Mm-hmm. I, uh, if you are wise, this is what you will do. And we found out in medical science that. The stuff he says to eat is the best stuff for us. The stuff he says not to eat is the stuff <laughs> we all want to eat. Take sickles and stuff like that. Yeah. We all want to 
thinking on a lot of the dietary stuff has had reason behind it which is interesting because they did not have like the theory of of germs or of what Mm -hmm. pig fat does to your body yes or the or the little bugs that live inside of a pig until after it's been Mm. thoroughly thoroughly cooked through and yeah and salted appropriately etc etc but on top of that um the rapid you know you go from an old man who has one child to building a whole nation yeah and i don't know what health does as part of that but i would think that uh if you if you look at a hundred and some odd years ago, if you had more than one, mm-hmm. you know, five children, most people did. You usually had lost one or two of those. Yeah, uh, very unhealthy. But Israel just blossoms. I mean, just mushrooms. You know, within a few generations, you you've got the tribes are tribes of tribes of tribes. I mean, just tons right. of people. Oh yeah, they can all trace themselves back to something, but they. Now they've got second, third, fourth, fifth cousins. Everybody's my uncle-in-law. And it's kind of like living up here in South Shore. Everybody's related to everybody. I can't keep up with it. You know, that's my uncle's brother. Well, that was my that was my grandfather's nephew. You know, I I can't keep up. Everybody's related to everybody. <laughs> but that's yeah. the blessing now that comes with. Uh, adhering to this wisdom, God's advice about things. Um, yeah. That the so, Pharisees had turned that into a command. The legalism. Where, yeah, that's yeah. that's a whole other mm-hmm. subject. Okay. But, and I think that's where a lot of people go now. They they think they you know they're forgive me, but they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. They right. don't <laughs> they can't get away, you know, they're and so they just don't want to talk about this subject of yeah. sin. But if we were to look at sin is God saying I'm going to tell you no on some things and you're going to have to trust me and when you violate that we're going to have to work that out because that then becomes a relational problem between us but I'm also going to advise you on some things uh, because I wouldn't violate your free will either and I I will let you learn the easy way or the hard way but uh, you're not a child anymore I won't treat you like You'll always be my okay. my son or daughter, but I won't treat you like a five year old. Yeah, can I um, lead us into another question? Um, I yeah, kind of want to go back to kind of a little bit what we were talking about before. Um, so we were talking about. I love the example you shared about the rules that your dad kind of set into place. Uh, talking about you have to get rid of that copperhead snake. You can't be a part of the demolition derby. Um, <laughs> those were all things that were um you know they had a reason behind them because um he's looking out for your safety obviously mm-hmm. um so how does that kind of inform how we look at different passages where if you kind of take it out of context it kind of kind of seems to be saying that god is just like giving us these commands like one that i that i hear a lot is john 14 john 14 verse 15 it says if you love me keep my commands mm-hmm. right but jesus is also talking about like the way to the father in this whole entire section. And he goes on to talk about how, um, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Um, and so kind of like how, how does this all, um, 
how how should this inform the way that we look at just even that simple phrase Jesus saying if you love me keep my commands is he saying it because um like is love for us is contingent on like what we do or is it um more like he's saying it because he loves us and cares for us and like how should we kind of talk about all that when we're talking to people who don't really understand all this I think the answer is yes <laughs> yes, to all of it. Yep. <laughs> I say that because um, in a broken world, love is a very fragile thing. A mighty fortress is our God, yes, but the relationship, all relationships are very tenuous, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. The yeah, longer it is. we know and love each other, the more we are willing to. Uh, not be easily offended and mm -hmm. uh, go talk to each other and straighten things out and agree to disagree if we have to, all those kinds of things. But you, you've had relationships where they've gotten dense in them, haven't you? Oh, where, absolutely. Where Every relationship at some point. Well, yeah. my rule of thumb is my rule of thumb is if a friend ever wrongs you, that's it. Cut them off. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of people in the world. You can find a new friend. Well, Especially man. if they just transgress against you. You know, yeah. that's so, it. Colin, I am so glad that I am viewed as perfect in your eyes. That, yeah. that, that, that's Zach so and Bob and Ken so far, you guys have done great. Nothing, <laughs> no problems. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think you're right, Ken. I think the, I was going to actually, that was going to be my point I was leading into. I, because the subject matter you know, at hand is why are, why did God pick these specific sins to be sins? Right. And I think, I think that's a big question because there are a lot of things that um, get lined out in the scripture, but um, ultimately I kind of broke it down into like this little questionnaire about who, who does it hurt? Like when a sin happens, obviously it always is going to hurt God. Like, even if it's just a relationship kind of hurt, like we were just discussing. Sure. Um, but is there, is there a larger implication in terms of, like, harm? My thought was that, just like Ken pointed out, your like, your father is going to kind of keep you from danger. Um, but also, it would probably make you really, really sad if you had what you thought was a really nice relationship with a good friend, and then they just turned their back on you. and. Yeah did something really poopy to you. And so I think that, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's explore that for just a minute. Friends don't just suddenly turn their back on you. Something happens that they don't talk to you about. They take something you did or said the wrong way or uh, something in their life starts to go to the left or to the right. Uh, I, I, for us, it happened suddenly. What, what in the world happened? But for them, it was a, either subconscious or conscious uh, de-escalation of the trust and love between you and them. They don't just suddenly leave. Something happened. So let's talk about sin in that regard for a minute. Um, the, the classic example is if, if I want to get to England from New York, I will set a vector. Um, and if I was only going to go 10 miles, if I was off that vector a little bit, probably wouldn't affect.
expect very much. I could correct very easily. Mm-hmm. But after that distance, if I'm one degree off, I don't end up in England. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. So yeah, relationships man. are like that when, in particular, sin between us and God, when we start to um, let sin in in one particular part of our life, we're just slightly off course. The relationship's still there, but it begins to be dented. And what Satan likes to do is nibble at the roots of our relationship with God to where we don't even realize we're falling away until all of a sudden he says something and we say another thing and and we walk away. But this time we, it's possible for us to to walk out of this relationship. I think that's one of the biggest things he's guarding against is he understands that course corrections along the way, the way we discipline and shape a child, along the way right yeah no i i agree and then when they get older and they they're not under our authority we'll always be under the authority of god but what he wants us to be jesus said you called me lord but i want you to be my friend i call you friends i want you to want to love me so when jesus said if you love me you'll obey my commandments what he's saying is Mm-hmm. I've given you all these things to maintain our relationship. And if you want mm-hmm. to stay in love with me, uh, because, because my love for you is perfect. You right. Know, uh, this is what it's going to take for you to stay in line with me. Keep my command. And to help you do that, uh, he did two things. He, when he came uh, after his resurrection, he opened the scriptures to them and showed them so many places in scripture where he was and what it was all about. He opened their minds to the scripture and then he sent the Holy spirit mm-hmm. yes. to be with them as a, a constant companion. And that's kind of what I was getting at by pointing to John 14, because yeah. he says, keep my commandments. And then he goes right into like, I'm going to give you this Holy spirit as a gift yeah. and here's what he's going to do. And like the Holy spirit, this gets into like where we were, talking earlier before the podcast about the idea of sanctification. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this idea that you can walk with God and start to f- actually be able to follow him. Right. You know, you, you have to have the Holy spirit to be able to do that. It, it, but it also yeah. digs into this weird, that, that this weird balance that, that many of us have been talking about more recently, this idea this uh, of, because it's like, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Well, that sounds like works. And so, yeah. well, it, it is. It doesn't save us, but it definitely is a reflection of that love that we're going to have. So, yeah. so you know, it's, it's, so it's like, well, well, now you're getting into it sounds more like works-based salvation. It's like, no, 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 this is fruits. If this isn't works. This, is, this, is, this isn't work salvation. This is fruits of that love being, being yeah. reflected out back to the world. And that and it's, it feels like a weird balance sometimes because you don't want to get legalistic about it. But at the same time, what we do does matter. James does clearly tell us sure. that without works is dead. Jesus says, if you love me, you will follow these my commands. Yeah. You know, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Oh, what? It, it, you know, it's it's so so there's definitely some truth, but it's 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 a weird balance that I think so many of us tend to struggle with because yeah, God's gonna well God's gonna forgive me. Well, yes, but if you love him, then you're not gonna be striving to be sinning in the first place. Well, again, we're, when you talk about works, people usually 
talk about that in terms of salvation. Am I earning my salvation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about you've already entered into this loving relationship with God. He's guiding you into what makes it healthy and good. Sure. Shaping you into more and more like Christ. A Christian means little Christ. You're being shaped into the image of Christ a little bit by little bit, trial and mm-hmm. error through through your obedience to his direction and through your disobedience mm-hmm. to his direction. Mm-hmm. It's all grist for the bill for him. But it's not about whether you're going to go to heaven or not. For John Wesley, he would say um, sanctification is that process of being transformed in mm. the image of God. You've been set apart now. You are sanctified, which means there are some things that they set apart for use in the temple that you didn't just use in everyday they were only for yeah. sacred use. And you now have been set aside as if you're a believer, you've been set aside for sacred use, sacred living, a witness in the world. And that's why what we do is so important. We're not earning our salvation. Um, mm. I think John Wesley would say we're working out our salvation. Mm. We signed like the contract. Now we're doing what we said we do. Yeah, and in the process, James, right? we're being changed, right? James is the best, best book of the Bible. <laughs> work, out, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, work, yeah. work it out. You said you'd do it. I'm going to help you. I'm mm-hmm. showing, I'm showing you in the Word how to live. I'm giving you advice and commands through the Word of God, giving the Holy Spirit so you can understand what you're being told. He translates it into your language so that you get it right. Yeah. And then I, I, it's up to your will. Are you going to do it or not? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, um, I, I like the idea of like a like a relationship, like the relationship with my with my spouse um, as a as a as a neat metaphor for this. This idea that when we entered in this relationship, there wasn't much that was expected of me. You know, I just have you know, I you know, we asked and we said yes. You know, there wasn't any hoops to jump through before we say that you know we're dating. You know, but now the relationship is there. There are going to be some expectations. I'm expected to be faithful to my wife. I'm expected by her to not lie to her. You know, I'm, you know, you know, I'm, and similarly with my friendships. You know, I mean, Zach and I, we, uh, it's a little bit older than my relationship with Colin. And when we just, you know, we met, we just started hanging out. But you know, in order for that relationship to persist, I'm going to be expected to not lie to him, you know, or lie about him, or you know, things like that. You know. There, there, there's a level of expectation or to maintain that relationship in order for the relationship to grow and to mm. prosper. So we've gone down a, we've gone down a, a lot of different alleys about sin, but I'm going to be the, uh, get us back on track guru here. Okay. Thank you. Because, the, because what I want to really dig into before the end of this episode is why the certain sins got picked by God as sins. And so we've been talking about sin in general, which is great. And I'm glad we've really established. Yeah, you got to get that baseline. That um, that aspect. So I want to read a scripture and then I want us to kind of branch out if that's a cool with everybody. Okay. So I I set this one up as a, a question of where do sins come from? But this also leads us into another topic. So I'm going to read Mark 7 verses 20 through 23. And it says, and he said... What comes out of a person is what defiles him. 
For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, which is interesting, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, just period there. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So I want us to think defiling a person. So there are several levels, I think, to the idea of being defiled. Um, And I think that that might be one of the key points to why a sin is a sin. So that's my, that's my argument uh, that I'm going to throw out there. I'm going to, I'm going to tack that on just a little bit with this one verse, because you talked about uh, out of the heart of man. Yeah. And Jeremiah 17, nine also says the heart is a sequel above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Mm. I agree. So, so with, with that being said, back to your question. So, so Ken and uh, Zach and Bob, when we sin, there is a defilement of self that seems to happen. Yeah. Now, mm. that may not be the only reason a sin is a sin. I think that in a lot of ways, um, people can get off scot-free in, uh, in terms of like maybe coming a, uh, coming out unscathed, it may be in their mind. In terms of consequences. In right their mind, yeah. right. But yeah. I think that something happens to your soul when you sin. Yeah. Which then, of course, defiles every part of you. Now, I believe that we can trace that back to God and the Holy Spirit. But I think that, uh, again, that, that kind of leaves a weird yeah. sort of uh, uh, empty spot for like people who may not be believers, um, who may not have known any better. But I still believe that a sin yeah. from, from ignorance can still defile you. One of the things that I heard somebody say once about salvation, I can't remember who said it, um, but they defined like getting saved and, and being justified and like having your sin taken away as – recovering the image of God in you Ooh! because we know Genesis says that humans were created in the image of God. Yeah. So we're meant to be like God, but sin makes us less like God. Uh. Um, and I think when I think of defilement, I kind of think about that, like a ruined image. That's like a painting on the smeared. wall that has like yeah. dirt and mud and stuff yeah. all over it. But yeah, what's interesting about the way he phrased that, I'm still kind of like thinking about what all that means is that, Somewhere inside you, that image of God is still there, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, but it needs only through Jesus can it be restored to its original uh, state. Right. Um, and so that's kind of what defilement makes me think. When you think of sin in terms of defiling, I think of it as just like smudging that image of God. Well, you I wanted know. to. I, wanted I, I like that. Well, that's, image. The, that's the effect. Probably yeah. the more basic thing is to talk about sin as a condition. Mm. It's something we have that comes yeah. out in things we say, do, and think. It's a condition yeah. we have. So are yeah. sins the thing that that uh, that give us that condition, or is it the the result of? It's it's both. You know, and that gets it into is, the original sin. Let's look at it this way: If you have cancer, it's trying to kill mm-hmm. your body, right? Yeah. So it's a condition that you have, but it also then begins to affect your body. It goes into this and and defiles your liver or goes and defiles your esophagus or goes and defiles your kidneys or goes into your bowel section. I mean, it it can go anywhere, right? 
it's in the process of taking what was healthy and turning it into an unhealthy thing. Sin is a condition that we have uh, in classic theology. We inherited it from our first parents who willfully disobeyed God and allowed sin to enter the world. It was they they weren't under that condition. They weren't created under that condition. They right. Were, everything was fine, but they it now it's part of the human um, equation, if you will. It's not all we are. We're made in the image of God, so we do still see things like truth and beauty and goodness, um, yeah, and friendship and things like that. We. We still have this part that still can respond to God, but we also have this condition that's determined to destroy us, or as as Colin says, defile us. Scripture you know, says, "I just I just repeated it." Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying, yeah. you know, I'm saying, yeah. right, right. Oh, yeah. So, so it's it's it is the things that we do mm-hmm. knowingly. And it all, but it uh, comes out of this condition that we have that we're inclined to yes. do the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it wasn't for Jesus, not only paying the price for what we did, but now coming in to reshape us, remold us, and remake us, um, we really wouldn't have a chance. Sin would have its way, and like Nebuchadnezzar, we would falter and fumble and fall away. <laughs> right. Um, which the Bible describes as blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We could get into a big thing there, but for me, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when you finally decide, I don't really care about what God thinks anymore. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm tired of being a good person. I'm tired of saying no to things I really want to do. I'm going to do them, and I don't need you, God. I don't want you in my life anymore, and I'm done. I'm, it's a divorce. I'm out. Mm. Right. That's, that's what sin would do even to a believer. It wouldn't just lead a non-believer into, you know, to the edge of a cliff and then push them off. It would destroy any relationship, but especially yeah. our relationship with God. So God takes these things very seriously. He takes our condition seriously. He, he died for our condition. And he is in the process of dealing with that, with each believer, um, carefully and, and precisely uh, telling us what's wrong with us, getting getting us to sign the waiver so that they, he can do the surg- surgery and then asking us to trust him when he goes to do this cutting and shaping and molding that is not fun. It's not pleasant. And yeah, yet yeah. when we get our life back, when we come out the other side of that and we're not uh, struggling so much with something we were struggling before. Uh, when, right. uh, when we when we when we are moving towards health and wholeness, we we find that we have things like peace, real peace, not just absence of conflict, but you know, life is good and I'm happy. But when we have things like hope rediscover hope that, you know, and joy. All of a sudden, life is not a drudgery anymore. It's It's got these good things in it. And I I just love being 
around all these people. I love being alive. And someday my joy will be complete when I see Jesus face to face. All that hope and peace and joy, those are the, the payoff of letting God do this kind of work that he has to do. The problem is that it's not done in my mind. Now, John Wesley would disagree, I think. He would say we could experience what's called entire sanctification. And what he means by that is not we're not perfect and unable to sin. It's that we become come to a place where we are sold out. God, whatever you want, whatever you have to do, I, I want to be your servant and your servant only. I'm signing on the dotted line for life, and I'm never turning away. It's kind of like uh, Bob was talking about when he married uh, Beth. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. 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 You didn't just show up someplace. You took vows. Mm-hmm. And they are very specific things. Yeah, buddy. You're saying at that point, you know, until death do us part. These are the things I'm going to do. Um, God would say that as well. Say, yeah. So I'm going to help you live out these things. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first three or four about is about how do I maintain this right relationship with God, right? And then the rest of them are how do I maintain a right relationship with the people around me. Um, the Bible really would call point. that righteousness. That's that vertical relationship between you and God. And justice, the relationship with you, that horizontal relationship with you and everybody else. Yep. Love God, love man. Two greatest right. commandments, Jesus says. Yeah. One is just like it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says the other one is just like it. That's, he's going, this yeah. one's just as important. This one's just as weighty. Um, so, so what's, inter- what's interesting is I, I read that Mark 7 scripture. I'm glad we're talking about the Ten Commandments. The Mark 7 scripture almost lists out every single one of the Ten Commandments. That's what I'm saying. It says adultery, coveting, theft, wickedness, deceitfulness, envy, like coveting your neighbor's wife and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. So what's interesting about all of that, Ken, and I wanted to, again, kind of uh, ask another one of these sin – why is a sin a sin question? Is to ask – so we, we covered how it can defile us. So I also know that God very, very commonly throughout the Old mm. uh, Testament and in the pro- Minor Prophets allows sin to come upon Israel for their kind of their falling away from God. So he's like, fine, I'll let this army come in. And the, he defines that as a sin. And still other times, um, you know, like in Matthew, when it says, I think it's Matthew, when it says, like, when you when your brother sins against you, you can go with him alone and talk yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Matthew 18. So so we're talking about, we're talking about, so we've talked about how sin can defile us, but there's also the aspect of sin defiling others outside of us. So, like, for example, Jonah defy, tries to defy God. And in doing so, if he had succeeded, Nineveh would not have been uh, rejuvenated the way it was. Um, and God was trying to use Jonah for jo- God was using Jonah for that purpose. And had he defied him over and over, it, and just died in the ocean, that would have you know. And God's like, no, you don't get to die. You gotta gotta go do this thing. And so um, 
there's that aspect to it where we can sin against our brother and that can cause pain and harm. But I still believe that all of those things also come back under the, the umbrella of harming God. And I think a, a big part of that is that relational aspect to God that we often take for granted, where he doesn't want to see people or his creation or the world in, in turmoil. He doesn't want to see d- defilement happen. Um, and also because of our covenant that we have with God, um, to see, to see something like that, like kind of bear, what, what does that call it? Bad fruit, yeah. <laughs> rotten fruit, I think is, I think it's, so what I, what I'm getting to when calling a sin a sin, I think God is very specifically saying like these things I've laid out for you will prevent you from being defiled, defiling each other and defiling my creation. And possibly our relationship, which will then defile any chance you have of salvation. So I'm trying to do the best I can to make you see that. And if you just follow these things, that's what I think is so funny, too, is the idea that like uh, atheists or others might have where they might think that being a Christian restricts your ability to to be happy and free in Mm. the world. When I think sin is so much more constricting yeah yeah I, I i often think of it more like the idea of 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 a uh, um the, the the law the the rules these these commandments we've been given by christ i think of it more like a fence in a backyard you know i am free to run and play without any fear or condemnation as long as i'm within the walls of the fence that's been provided for me there's no need for a leash there's no need to wonder there's no need for fear it's just i know i'm safe here. But Bob, if the fence wasn't there, you could just run out into any highway you wanted to and nobody would stop you. And that's You're what right. being happy and free yep. is. Yep. Run out to any highway I want to and be splat. Be completely destroyed does, in the process. Does a fish be lost. Does a fish feel that it is free when it's freed from the pond? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That's, great. Rocks. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, does a fish feel free when it is freed from the pond? <laughs> yeah. So so I love that. I, I just I'm sorry, I I, I want to hear what you guys have to say. I just wanted to make some of those points about I think that in seeing the effect sin has, we can kind of deduce where God was going with his decision-making on them because we, we see that man is man is capable of completely destroying his life and possibly everyone Mm -hmm. around him uh, without God's assistance. And so the Holy spirit is paramount. It's like Mm -hmm. so important, right? Absolutely. But um, we also have these cases where, um, People kind of make decisions about right and wrong in the Old Testament. They they may not know God. Uh, like I'm saying, I think that we, we've touched on this a little bit before, me and Zach have, but I'm not super definitive on where, where I lie on this. But I do think that the Holy Spirit is around us and God is like working with us, even if the Holy Spirit wasn't in us in the Old Testament. Um, yes. Um, the... Um, uh, John Wesley would say from his theological perspective that that is, uh, uh, was it, uh, pre prevenient. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you, Ken. Grace. Prevenient grace. grace. Thank you. Thank you. The the idea that God is working ahead of our time Mm -hmm. for our goodwill. Um, the classic example of your grandmother praying for you long before, uh, long before you become a Christian, you know, 
helping, you know, praying that God would help pave the way, put the right people on your path to, to help you see the light. Well, see, so that's what I mean when I say, like, I think a sin, I think a sin, I think a sin can defile you um, even maybe before you like know it's a sin, but that's just my radical take on it. I think I'm going to sit at that end of the, uh, the table and, and sit on my soapbox with that one. Well, and it's like, something can harm you without you knowing that it's doing it. And we're we're defiled anyway from original sin. That's our condition. So even if, you know, even if you start out on the right foot, which like, I don't think like babies can like sin necessarily. Right. You still have that capacity and it'll show up eventually. Right. Right. It shows up every time God's ready to take on a new level or some other problem in our life. I, I thank God that he doesn't just try to deal with them all at one time. I don't think we yeah. can take it. He goes for the, the low-hanging fruit, hmm. the things that are affecting us most maybe at the moment, and in the process of working his way from some of the more base things that we get ourselves involved, and he starts working into uh, our attitudes, our appetites, uh, our relationships with ourselves and with other people, mm-hmm. uh, our goofy thinking, uh, you know, our, our stinking thinking, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. He, it, it keeps getting more and more refined where he's he's working towards this. Um, you know, you, you start out in the Army as a private, and then you're a corporal, and then you're a sergeant, buck sergeant, and work your way up through that, and if you keep going, He's in the process of creating, recreating, I should say, the image of God within us. Yes. Because we're related to Christ, who is the perfect image of God. Who is Absolutely. God. Right. Absolutely. So when he's done, he will. I, when, I, when I got here, I struggled to be away from my family. And this, this gospel choir came, and I still can't find this reference, how you... Uh, ferment wine and you would take it and pour it out of its barrel because you you pour it in a barrel and all the sediment goes down at the bottom and then you pour that out into a new barrel and okay I can do that well no you do that like five times and every time you do it the wine gets purer and sweeter uh, and is not curing what's the word I want to use fermenting fermenting the -hmm. whole time and, and God changes our situations. There's times when he sticks us in a whole new place because yeah. there's sediment from that other place that's not going to come out. I, I, that that kind of reminds me of First uh, Peter a little bit where um, he talks about uh, uh, the idea of purifying us like gold. Yes. Uh, the, the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold might be fa- uh, you know, and, and tested with fire. And, and, and that the whole purification process of gold it involves melting it down with extreme amount of heat. Yeah, it's violent, and it, isn't it? Yeah, and, 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 the, and the impurities float to the top, and then you scrape those away, and you let it cool, and then you melt it down again and do that over and over and over again. And that's how you get pure gold out of it. It's, 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 the impurities float to the top and get scraped away, but it comes with extreme heat it comes with massive amounts of mm-hmm. discomfort of morphing and reshaping and that's just 
that's not easy to go through. No. And you wouldn't choose it. Well, you wouldn't think that, and yet here we are as followers of Jesus, and this is exactly how what we're called to be part of. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you would say, I, I'm following Jesus right where I am. I think I've got, I think I'm doing good. God ah, says, yes. well, I've got more. And you're not, <laughs> not going to learn it there. I'm going to yeah. take you someplace else. And you say, I don't want to go someplace else. And he goes, well, <laughs> sorry about that. I'm yeah. not, and you're not. We're not yeah, equal that's partners. Great. You're a junior partner, but you're my partner, mm-hmm. but you're a junior partner. There's Ultimately, we do not have that eternal perspective. And so when we're asking, you know, mm-hmm. where sins come from, we, you know, we know the origin of like how it's based on a lie and how it's, you know, it's destroys the relationship between us and God. It's all those things. Um, but ultimately, like we don't necessarily know all the reasons why all the time. Um, it's not that it's blind faith because God gives us reason to trust him. And I think that we can use our reasoning skills like to know that God is good. Um, and he asks us to like, you know, consider that. Yeah. Um, but ultimately like there are times when he knows more than us. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, well, like, it's one thing to know about something. It's another thing to know it. For yes. instance, if you'd never had pizza before, and I tried to describe it. Let's say you were from Polynesian country, and I said, "Well, it's it's this big bread." Oh, okay, I know what that's about. And there's this uh, sauce. It's from a. You don't have that around here. Just trust me. It's it's a vegetable that we beat into a sauce. Okay. And then we put all kinds of toppings on it and throw it in an oven. What's an oven? Well, you just have to taste it. Because pizza is not about what you know about it, right? Pizza's better ingredients, yeah. better pizza. It's a, <laughs> it's a, either it's just like a, you either have been married and you know what marriage is about, or you haven't. You have been a dad and you know what that's about, or you don't. You have right. been a friend and you know what that's about, or you, or you don't. Mm-hmm. There are there are levels of this experience that God wants to take us to in his relationship with us and there are things in the way there's attitudes in the way there's willfulness in the way there's part of this condition that's not yet been surrendered because you didn't know you had it yet he knows but you didn't know you had it yet he was working on something else before that and you surrendered that so what i'm saying it's this it's this layered thing that just gets deeper and deeper and deeper, like refining gold or like fermenting wine or whatever, whichever one of those you want to use. God's in the process of getting the sin out of us, changing our condition. And he will finally and fully do that when we go home to be with him in heaven. Because these are the things that make us less like him and thus need to be removed from our or lives. Would, or would lead us away from him. And the, the one thing we've not talked about in all this, the, the, the one thing that we would have to talk about at some point is where does temptation come from? I had a guy call me the other day. I don't know why the district superintendent had this guy call me. 
this guy is 49 years old and he wanted to be a local pastor in the Methodist church. He says, I'm going to take the course of study. And he said, what do I need to know? And I said, you need to know how to take a punch. Yeah. You need to, you need to know how to take a punch because it's not going to be romantic and it's not going to be, there's going to be really good things in it. Yes. And it can be very satisfying, but boy, turning the other cheek. It's not a one-time thing. It's a Satan's going to come after you with everything you've got. He'll go after your children. He'll go after your finances. He'll go after your health. He'll go after your mental health, your state of mind. He will distract you with a yeah, thousand yeah. other things. He will find the weaknesses in your character, the things you've not yet surrendered when you know you should have surrendered them. And that's why I'm thankful that James talks about temptation not being sin, you know. Yeah, like, it's when you give in to it. That's when you when give in. Turns you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. I don't think you can. I think you and the Holy Spirit can. Right, yeah. I don't. That's, I, the, that's the requirement there. I think resisting the devil on his own is like going to the shore and trying to sweep back the tide with a broom. <laughs> that's interesting it it begins with submitting yourselves then to God that's, that's submit exactly yourselves right. then to God then it says resist the devil and he will flee but see when we when we memorize scripture as Americans we don't get it in context we just hear these things as like oh well here's the secret to this oh here's the latest way we're going to get into and out of this, you know, well, here's the latest weight loss program. Oh yeah, that'll work. I'll right. just take these pills. You know, the scripture is not based on, it's not a, a book of how to, it's a book of, uh, if we're going to be in a relationship, let's live it out and I will help you. And agreed. It's, but it's not, a, it's not a self-help book. <laughs> it's not it's not a magic book where you got all these tricks you can say and god will do what you say because you named it and claimed it and, and all this stuff it's not that at all you don't get to be god period and that's what that's why satan became who he was he wanted to be god and he led a rebellion in heaven and he and a third of the angels were kicked out cast down because he wanted to be God and they didn't want to abide by God's rules anymore. That's pride. Yeah. And that's putting, you yourself, putting yourself on the throne, you know, yet another way to like look at sin. That's sin. That's exactly right. So when we talk about this thing, it's not just a bunch of actions and it's not just a condition it, are, it is those things, but it comes out of this wrestling match as we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. All uphill, by the way. It's, it's like climbing mm -hmm. a mountain. It just gets more steep as you go. Yeah. But also, as, as you climb that mountain, your skill level goes up and your muscle, muscles get more toned up. The things that wore you out at the bottom of the mountain would be like nothing after you <laughs> you're on that sheer vertical cliff hanging on to a crack with a half inch crack with your fingernails and you're fine <laughs> because at, at that point you've been worked up to it, you know, and you're not alone. You're on a rope. It's going to be okay. Agreed.
I'll just say, uh, I think that we can all agree probably that um, sins are sins because um, we have to trust that God made the right decision by making them sins. Mm-hmm. Yep. That they are, they are keeping us from him and from others. They're causing us to not reflect him. In some capacity. This really is a trust issue, isn't it? It's a trust issue. And I think, I think even furthermore, we could say it's a control issue. I always make this point to Zach and Bob. I always try and round this off to a control oh, yeah. thing. Um, I think that uh, the human race in modern society cannot even fathom the idea of relinquishing control of anything. Yeah. I know I struggle with that a lot. And my, and, my, my wife will testify to that quite a bit. And so if you're a person who wants to have complete control over what they do, and their entire like life and all the things mm-hmm. they want to do and it's their will and they're 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 in control of everything. Why would they ever want to relinquish uh, their life, their betterment, their even if it's even if mm-hmm. I, I wonder mm-hmm. I wonder how many people who are vehemently against Christianity, vehemently against God, would actually take this offer if somebody could show them a year later being a Christian and how like good their life is. I wonder if they would still say no. Do you know what I mean by that, Ken? Like, let's say you could, you could show somebody a video and it's that like, it's a wonderful life thing. It's like, like it's a wonderful life. Only it's them as living a Christian righteous life. And like their life is good. The the other timeline. Like, I, I wonder if those people would, would still say no. I think that they probably would. Some of them would. And uh, I think it's I think it's because it's hard to see it's hard to relinquish control. I think that's the that's the true key because in the end you want to say I don't care if I die tomorrow as long as I get to do what I want. Like <laughs> if it's my choice to die then it's well, fine. Remember that Satan is in the process of making you believe that good things are bad and bad things are good. Agreed. Hmm. Yeah. And how sold out are you? How far gone are you? Yeah. And so there'd be some people you could you could show them the beauties and the wonders, and you're you're casting your pearls before swine, so to speak. Not calling anybody a pig, but that's what Jesus <laughs> said. He said, "He said, look, if somebody's bound to turn, they don't want to hear it. Move on. Shake yeah. the dust off your feet as a testimony to that town, and move on." Yeah. Like, and. Yeah. There's a place where so, even I don't. You said would would if I could show them what their life would be like if they were a Christian a year later. A lot of them would say, "I don't, that, I don't like what you're showing me. Yeah, that looks like bad that. to me." Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. I was saying that like I think that to them, to them, a life where they are sort of being led by the Holy Spirit, they are adhering mm-hmm. to God's commands against sin. And they, and, and that person would then be rejecting the things that are bad for them that are defiling them. I think that they would see that as them not no longer having control mm-hmm. of their, their decisions to make or something, Yeah, which, which is interesting because I, I, I will just say this on the podcast for anybody who doesn't know already. I am. I truly believe that God wants us to make our choices about Him and about uh, sin. I, I think He wants us to make the choices, whether whether or not He has provenient grace and is helping us along the way. Is you know that's a that's a bigger can of worms. But I I believe that we can say, I you know I want to find out what God is about, 
So if you are a person who believes that by becoming a Christian, you are just giving up any power you have to live a free life, I think that's wrong. I think the only difference is that at that point you would realize the goodness. You would realize how how good it is to live a righteous life, like yeah. for for Christ. Um, that's that's people can't fathom that they would make the decision willingly. Do you understand what I'm saying, Ken? Yeah, I get it. I agree. Yeah, so, so I think sin, I think sin, I think in a lot of ways is a byproduct of, this is just me riffing right now, but I believe sin is a byproduct of man's inability to relinquish control of their uh, temptation, their fleeting need to be happy, like all of these things they think they need at the time. Like if they were to say like, maybe I don't need these things, maybe somebody else knows better than me. Uh, that would be a really good first step, but I don't think they're willing to make that step. A lot of people aren't. So that's, that's what I realized when I became a Christian. It's like, Oh, it's not like I mean, nobody's twisting my arm. I want to make these decisions to do, to do what God wants me to do. It's like the right thing to do. And you want to, because you have that loving relationship that you want to build and strengthen. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And so, and so to me, I think that's, that's, that's the absolute worst thing about sin is that like, it's almost as if, sin in some ways feels like a comfort to people who are in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's well, almost as if that's better. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like a toddler sitting in a poopy diaper, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it feels warm. It's, it, you know, yeah. It's messy. It stinks a bit, but it's warm and it's mine. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I made this thing. I made this thing in my diaper. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. I have control over it. Nobody's going to clean this, butt. <laughs> but like, uh, like Bilbo, after all, why shouldn't I keep it? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, Bob, the dirty diaper analogy, that might be my favorite sin analogy right there. I'm not kidding. Because think about it. If you're a baby, you're like, no, you can't clean my diaper. Like, I don't want my butt to be clean. And it's like, but it's good for you. You're going to get it infected. No, I made this. I can sit in my poopy diaper if I want to. <laughs> and you're the adult sitting there going like, you understand that this is – this is good for you, right? That to, to be clean is good. It will it will make you cry eventually. We don't know it will. Yeah. It will. <laughs> yes. One day you will cry and say, "Why am I hurting?" <laughs> By then it'll be too late, and the and the door will be closed to you. <laughs> I will have gone to sleep, and there will be no diapers to change. And, and you blame the parent too, by the way. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Exactly. Why would God do this to me? Oh man, that's so good. All right. Um, I think I think this is a good spot. Do you guys feel good about our conversation? Yeah, buddy. Yeah. I think All we've right. went through a lot more uh, about sin than I expected, and that's actually a good thing. I don't yeah, want to stand too. in the way. Of I that. didn't know what direction it would end up going, but ultimately, I, I would say that I would add one more thing. Okay. 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 Last last note on this. Last note, um, and we're, I'm not going to give you all these verses, but. I, I think that the old hymn, Love Divine, All Love's Excelling, is this plea to finish this work in me. Um, you know, if you read those those lyrics, uh, they, they are, uh, uh, the first verse is about um, who Jesus is and I need you. The second one is... Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, come on in here and, and take care of, uh, take away my love of sinning. Alpha and Omega be, be, the, be everything to me. Uh, the goal of faith 
even as it begins, set our hearts at liberty. And then, then the third verse is about deliverance from all that, that stuff. And the fourth verse is about finished in thy new creation. True and spotless, let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee, changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. If you go through those four verses, you see the the progression of what we've kind of been talking about throughout this whole thing about sin. Uh, only this time, what this thing is saying is, I know I had this condition. This is all about you now. You're going to have to help me out and, and do this incredible work. I can't do my brain surgery. Mm-hmm. Bob, you talked about being in control. I doubt when you sign on to go on a flight, you insist on going up in the cockpit and taking the controls of the airplane. There, there were a few times when I thought about it, but then I realized I'd be, I, I wouldn't be treated as a concerned guest. I would be treated more like a terrorist in that particular scenario. So I refrain from acting actually, on those urges. But there were a few times. Played the simulator. Yeah. Well, actually, you realize you had no idea how to fly that airplane, and you weren't well, anywhere near that. Thing. There's that too. There's that too. Well, uh, but, but, but love divine, all okay. love excelling. I never heard this hymn, so I might to, I'm going to look this one up. This That'll be our next good. one. Maybe we'll do it for this episode. Maybe we'll go back. It's a great hymn, yes. and it's really all about what we've been talking about. This is the answer. Maybe me and Colin can come up with some cool. We'll do a hymn. twist on it. Yeah, we'll do it. All right, man. So, man. Great episode. Thank you, Ken, for stopping uh, by uh, remotely. <laughs> uh, thanks for letting me catch up with you guys. Yeah, well, I, know, I awesome. love you so much. We love you too. Love well, you I, I love you. I can't speak for the other. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm being presumptuous there. But uh, I, I'll just say that um, ha- always having you as like a, a having you as a guest is always great. We always uh, get a lot out of it. Uh, me personally. And uh, we love to see the Holy Spirit move in our conversation. Amen. So it's great. Um, so we'll just say to the listeners, everybody listening, uh, check us out on Podbean. Check us out on Spotify. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and every other place you get your podcasts. We're all over the Patreones. place. And if you if you feel you want to support us, uh, if you feel like you that's something you want to do, um, we would be happy to see a uh, you as a uh, fern on our patreon for five dollars patreon.com slash podcast and you can hear some awesome music and uh, get some updates from us so um without you know saying too much about all of that stuff i will just say thank you ken uh and we will catch you all next time peace